0: I'm Damian Bulwa. Today on Fifth and Mission, fare cheats on BART. The Bay Area's backbone train system estimates that 22,000 people a day evade fare, many by simply jumping the gates, costing taxpayers about $25 million a year. Michael Cabanatuan broke the story of BART's new crackdown on the problem, and he joins us right after this. Here's my conversation with veteran Chronicle reporter Michael Cabanatuan on Bart's new crackdown on fare evasion. Michael Cabanatuan, thanks for joining us on Fifth and Mission. You're welcome, Michael. Uh, yesterday morning, coming to work, and based on a tip, you walk about a block from the Chronicle to Powell Bart Station. What were you doing? Well, you know,
1: I had uh, just gotten off the bus. I decided to take the bus instead of Bart yesterday, but uh, <laughs> I was going over there based on a tip we had that uh, Bart was cracking down on ferry vaders. Uh, that's been something we've been very interested in. So I hurried over there, hoping to see something, and sure enough, I did. There were a bunch of people there in neon green vests, uh, Bart officials. And uh, the first one I ran into was the general manager, by coincidence, Grace Krenikan. Um I asked her what was going on, and she explained that this was a, sort of a fair evasion crackdown, also a chance for BART to get more people, more police officers, more fair inspectors, more official-looking types out there to sort of reassure people that uh, BART is a safe thing to ride. But there were probably, at each one of the entrances, uh, the entrances to the station where there's an array of fair Gates, there were some people standing inside, sort of keeping watch, and there were some police officers on the outside, sort of ready to ticket people or, uh, you know, at least give warnings to people who weren't sort of obeying orders.
0: And okay, key question here: What did you see among the riders? Did you see any change in behavior with all the police presence? Uh, major change in riders. Um, <laughs> in what, uh, you know, most people
1: pay their fares and just proceed through the fair gates, but there were a lot of people who would get to the fair gate or close to the fair gate and sort of see that there were police officers outside. Or Grace Krunikin or some of the other people would, uh, you know, greet them and say, good morning, how are you today? And they'd kind of, uh, you know, with a little sort of smirk on their face or, uh, you know, looking around, they would kind of take a couple steps backwards and head to the ad fair machine. Some of them would go directly to the state station agent booth. Others would uh, head down Stairs, presumably, to go to the other exit.
0: So it was noticeable.
1: It, it was definitely noticeable. And Powell Street Station is pretty busy, but the station agent will always have like one or two person there, people there talking to them. Uh, there were five or six, maybe even ten, at some points. Wow.
0: All right, Mike. I want to take a a, a big U-turn here and, and take us back uh, and look at the history of this issue that we've obviously covered so closely. In December 2016, uh, we write an article, uh, Cheaters Put BART in a Bind. Uh, What was going on? How long had uh, fare evasion been a problem? And and how did it get to sort of an epidemic state?
1: Uh, You know, I first wrote BART probably in the early 1980s. And you'd see people, you know, skipping fares, jumping the gates or whatever, but not that many. Almost everyone paid. And somewhere around the 2000s or so, it started to become noticeable where people were complaining about it. And really by about 2015, it seemed, uh, it was noticeable and everyone admitted it was a problem and that BART needed to do something about it. And it was kind of in that area, 2015, 2016, that BART started looking at things it could do. In, uh, I think it was 2016, one of the things they tried was... uh, uh, barricading some of the what they call the swing gates, the mm-hmm. gates that you mm-hmm. can just push or pull open. Uh, most of them are located right next to the station agent booth. But in some stations, especially the big downtown San Francisco stations, uh, they're kind of off in corners. And there was one place I went down one day and spotted 20 people going through in maybe about a half an hour. It became a problem. They started closing those off. And then they ran into another problem. The San Francisco Fire Department thought that that might violate uh, fire laws. And so they were forced to open them back up and come up with another plan.
0: So their effort to close the the fair gates, which I'm sure people uh, are familiar with if you need to take a bicycle in, for example, you go through the swinging gate, immediately hits uh, an obstacle. And this becomes sort of a theme, doesn't it, where Bartz tries to figure out ways to deal with fare evasion, but for one reason or another, finds out it's more challenging than they thought. Yeah, I mean, there have been a number of things. The
1: state legislature passed a law that said, uh, you know, you can't issue fair evasion citation or uh, fines to juveniles. Mm -hmm. So they had to go back through the process and create what was essentially a citation, kind of a lesser fine, so that it was something not going on their criminal record. Um, There were all kinds of other problems. Um, We already mentioned the Fair gates, there was also the fact that some of the members of the board of directors weren't sure they really wanted to do this. Um, you know, in the Bay Area, we'll be, we believe in social justice. And there are people who were saying, well, you know, all those fare cheats, they're people who can't afford to pay the fares. So maybe we shouldn't be spending money to crack down on them. Um, one BART director, Latifa Simon, even acknowledged that, gee, when I was a teenager, I used to jump the BART fare gates, you know, in order to save money so I could afford to get to summer school. And that sort of. Of things. So there was a debate at the BART board and they never really considered saying we're not going to enforce fares or we're not going to hire fare inspectors. But they kind of backed away a little bit and left open the possibility that, you know, maybe we don't like doing this this way.
0: Mm. Well, based on your reporting, based on the, the deepening of the problem, um, BART finally does decide to do fare inspection. Uh, which people have seen on Muni, people have seen other agencies try it. What does that look like, and how successful are they once they march out the fare inspection teams? Well, you know, with
1: BART, they have to begin with, BART is sort of a different kind of system obviously than Muni and some other places. I mean, you're supposed to pay to get in not necessarily and there are gates not necessarily that you just, you know, buy a ticket and or you know, pay a fare and have mm-hmm. a transfer or or something like that. But BART is also different in that they only have Well, when they started out, they only had six fare inspectors. They now have, I think, a dozen. But BART carries more than 400,000 people a day. And I think in the morning, you know, they run 63 trains at a time. So you're not going to have fare inspectors at every station or on every train And, you know, that's that's a problem to begin with. The other problem is that fare inspectors are not police officers. Mm -hmm. They can issue citations, but only for certain kinds of things. Um, Mainly it's fare evasion, but it's also sort of what they call quality of life things. You know, someone being uh, uh, disorderly or disrespectful or disruptive on a train, Um, but primarily fare inspection, but they can issue citations. It's basically it's an infraction rather than a criminal violation. Um, People can lie about who they are. They try to check it out, but that doesn't always work out. And what's more common, though, is that they will issue tickets or they will issue citations and people will just ignore them. Uh, In some ways, that's no surprise. If you won't pay your $3 BART fare, are you going to pay the $75 ticket that you get for not paying your $5 BART fare? Probably not. But I think uh, our colleague, Phil Matier checked on it recently and found out that about nine out of 10 people um, were not paying their citations. I believe the number that he found was that uh, they issued roughly $500,000 in citations, um i believe $65,000 in citations
0: wow. were paid so really a small amount and the the system itself hiring the inspection officers costs quite a bit more than that right i don't have the figure for
1: that but you know you figure six people and it's now 12 people you know is going to add up to quite a bit of money certainly more than $64,000 a year
0: wow and what about the system itself um The the fair gates, as everyone knows, are sort of short and you can see people either squeezing through or jumping over. You talked about the swinging gates. How much has BART looked at making sort of hardware changes?
1: BART is definitely looking at hardware changes. You know, the BART's offices are over in Oakland in the Kaiser building and there's a uh, big room over there, or maybe a multiple rooms that they've converted into something they call the uh, the fairgate lab, I think. Mm. And they're looking at what they're looking at a couple of different things, like what could we do to sort of retrofit the existing fairgates so they're taller, or you know maybe we put spiky things up that make it painful to, uh, you know, try to vault the gates. Um, how can we increase the air pressure so that it's harder for somebody to sneak through the gates mm. or maybe we need more of a traditional turnstile. Basically, they're kind of looking at everything they could do to retrofit them, but also what could they do to design sort of the fair gate of the future. And a lot of it has to do with the height. It's, it's low. I mean, you know, uh,
0: many of us, low. I'm
1: not sure I could, but many of us can vault a fair gate.
0: Okay. <laughs> so for the listener, Michael, why should they care about this? Why should they care about fair evasion and people cheating?
1: Well, you know, it's their money. I mean, it's it's tax money. It's money you pay to ride the system. Uh, if they don't pay, somebody else is going to pay, and that somebody else is probably you.
0: Yeah, I've heard the argument that if people aren't paying, then um, it's not costing the system anything because they wouldn't ride otherwise. But is there any evidence to suggest that they, they wouldn't pay? You know, if you look around at it, the assumption is always that, oh, it's those poor
1: people or it's those kids or it's people in a certain neighborhood. They've found that the fair evasion problem exists throughout the system and that it really crosses age and class groups as well. So there are a lot of people who are not paying. You know, a couple months ago, I looked on Twitter and there was somebody who posted, you got to be stupid if you're paying to ride BART. All you have to do is walk in. Mm. And when it gets to the
0: point that uh, that there's a whole bunch of people who believe that, you've got a problem. Okay. So back to your experiences. When you are out there early on in your, in your storytelling on this uh, yesterday, what do you see? I imagine you've talked to some of the folks who, who skip fare. What do they say about why they're doing it?
1: No surprise, but many of the people that you talk to, uh, uh, they might raise a finger or they might kind of glare at you. But uh, a surprising number of people will talk to you. And a couple of them said, you know, I just can't afford the fair. Um, someone else told me, you know I- – nobody pays, why should I? And one young man I talked to basically said, you know, look, there needs to be a system so that people who really can't afford to ride BART can ride it for less or get in free or something like that. And then I asked him, well, do you think it's fair they're out here citing you? And he said, yeah, you know, I, <laughs> I didn't pay my fare. He said, there ought to be consequences for your actions.
0: Wow this was day one of this crackdown. How long can we expect this to go on? And what should people expect to see if they're in downtown San Francisco?
1: Well, BART officials will not say exactly how long this will go on. They say that it will go on for a period of time, but we're not going to tell you for how long. Um, It also is focused on Their busiest and most problematic stations right now, that's the four downtown stations, Mm -hmm. um, which are by far the busiest in the system. Um, But they said they're willing to, you know, they're willing to move it
0: around and probably will move it around. And bottom line, moving forward, what do we expect to see on this issue? Is there a solution out there for BART? You know, the solution is probably going to be like a multi-pronged solution.
1: They'll need some enforcement, obviously. I think they probably do need taller fare gates. A lot of systems have taller fare gates, things that are more difficult to uh, maneuver your way through. Bar was sort of built to be this sort of modernistic, streamlined-looking system in the 1970s, and it's not necessarily practical for today's world.
0: But now you're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars for the Fairgates. Yeah, absolutely. That would not be inexpensive at all.
1: Wow.
0: Well, Michael, thank you so much for joining us. I uh, appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you to Chronicle reporter Michael Cabanatuan for joining us, and thank you for listening.
1: Fifth In Mission is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network.
0: If you like this show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts.
1: And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing.
0: You can support Fifth and Mission and the newsroom that creates it with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle.
1: There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.